everybody. Hello again and welcome back to another episode of the Watch Report with me, Sean Lukewell. Make some noise, clap it up, get excited wherever you are. Yes, sir. Well, yes, man. Yes, boy or girl, whoever's watching. This is a family friendly so that everybody can enjoy. We're back in with another episode of the Watch Report. Like I just said, also happy to be with you all today. We got so much to cover in the NBA. Yes, the National Basketball Association is a bunch with the with the performance of Luka Doncic. We're gonna cover that, and also the I guess lack of worrying that John Moran is having a, 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 amongst the entire Western Conference, or rather against the entire Western Conference, and whether or not that is justified, or if the brother should be a little more concerned than he's letting on right now to the public. Ah, and we'll get into all of that in this show. So please, if you're already watching, leave a like on the video, comment your thoughts and opinions, subscribe to the channel if you're on YouTube, and Share the video with everybody that you know. Let's build up this empire together so I can get some ad revenue for you, the viewer, so I can make this show bigger and better for you <laughs> to enjoy. Yes, I love doing this, but I need some support. And, and, and I do need funding. And all that can be done with you, the viewer, helping me out, spreading the word on the channel, and, and liking the video. Helping get this channel rolling by listening the whole time, watching the whole time, commenting, getting mad at people in the comments. Do whatever you got to do. Just get this channel popping, yes. And I'm going to do my best to entertain you so that you deem it worthy of your time and energy to help out this channel. So again, I appreciate so much all the support that you've already given and hopefully the support that you'll be giving continuing on. But I hope you had a happy holidays, a Merry Christmas, and I'll do whatever whatever you celebrated this year. I hope you got to spend the holiday with your family, with your friends. hope you got whatever you wanted for Christmas. If you didn't get what you wanted for Christmas, guess what? You're breathing. You got to spend another holiday just point blank period you got to spend another holiday living that in and of itself is its own gift so you better be happy for that because it could have went another way but you're still here and so because of that we always say always be merry always be happy and always enjoy the holidays no matter what the situation is because again you could not spend it at all with anything because you could be dead and you don't want that so be thankful as I am. And as I'm thankful for you listening to the show. But nice to decide all that holiday whimsy and cheer and all that stuff out the way. We got to talk about Luka Doncic. My word, you want to talk about an explosion and a show of greatness and a show of dominance by one single player. Luka Doncic played against the Knicks and beat them in overtime winning 121 or 126 to 121 and had a 60-point triple-double. More specifically, a 60-point, 20-rebound, 10-assist triple-double. This brother was on fire this game. This man was could not be put out by any semblance of of uh, of water, of, of, of dousing. It didn't matter. You could double-team and triple-team. It did not matter. The man was just getting whatever he wanted at any given point in time in the game. This is one of the greatest performances individually that I've seen out of a player in a number of years. I'm serious. I am serious. The amount, the absolute starstruckness that I was having seeing this man put the ball on the floor. This game against the Knicks, it, it, it blew my mind. It really did blow my mind. Just the, like every time he touched the ball, it was just, this is what the Knicks felt. This is how it was. It, the, the Knicks just felt sheer terror. And just like, oh my goodness. Because the man just continued making play after play after play after play. It was incredible. And and the, the best thing about this performance is not just that it's a 60-point, 20-rebound, 10-assist, triple-double, something that we've never seen before in NBA history. Never been done before in NBA history. But it's the fact that it was it was a it was the most telling display of Luka Doncic's pulse on the game. We talk about it. And we talk about Luka as a player all the time. I just we just had an episode about him, about how he could be the potential next LeBron in the worst way possible because the Mavericks could potentially waste his years in Dallas by not surrounding him with the requisite talent needed to actively win. 
We know that's the risk with Luka. But right now, Luka's the next LeBron in many people's eyes because of the fact that his, the, the touch that he has on the game and the ability to consistently be have, have an effect at any given point and at such a consistent level. And with LeBron, it was physicality that was, just, oh, my gosh, game-changing. With Luka, it's not necessarily physicality, even though he is underratedly strong and underratedly athletic. But it's the fact that it is the, the, the amount of poise that this man has in his to, at his disposal in his arsenal, is something that we rarely see out of a player this young. This is, what, his fifth year in the league? And not only is he playing his best basketball, but he's got, the right now, he's got the poise of a player who's been in the league 15, 20 years. That veteran mentality that normally we don't see people have until year, like, what, eight, nine, or, one, or, or, or maybe year seven and up. Once they really hit their stride and mature or mature as a player, he has it right now. He had it in the league already at a high level, but right now, it is it's it's already a Hall of Fame level. A feel for the game. Now, I I don't say that lightly, but Luka Doncic already has a Hall of Fame level pulse. On the game of basketball, in the in the in a very similar way that Larry Bird had in his career. Larry Bird had it early too. So does Luca. Larry Bird, Larry Bird was six eight. Luca was six seven. The similarities are there. Game again. Larry Bird, league's better defender, one of the better defenders in NBA history. People just don't talk about it. But in terms of how they approach the game and how they think the, the, the amount of smarts and IQ that they display, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous how easily it comes to Luka Doncic to be able to just, to just control every aspect of the game. And the man only hit two threes the entire game. This is a three-point revolution that we are in the middle of. For the NBA. We've known this. We've seen this. We've experienced this. We know the league is predicated on shooting threes. That is a given. It's the fact that this man had this level of a performance. Only making two the entire game. The brother was two for six. Two for six on threes. Individually. And still. He was able to consistently dominate. Across the board. Scoring from the mid-range. Scoring in the paint. Turn around, Jage. Whatever he wanted, he got. And see. There's a reason. See, here's, here's a perfect example of why this is so incredible. We got on George Gerving year, years ago. Years ago. Remember when Clay Thompson won? Or not won. When he broke George Gerving's record for most points in the quarter. Was it like, like 30? I think Gerving had what, 36, 37. Clay Thompson had something like 39, I believe. Somewhere in that range. Broke the most points in the quarter. When he did that, they interviewed George Gervin. He was like, Clay Thompson did it, phenomenal performance, but he did it scoring mostly threes. I did it scoring nothing but twos. And you you infer that what you will, but what I'll say on that is he was essentially saying that, or no, not even infer, excuse me, take that back, because he outright said, that, when I did it, it was harder. And so the record's still mine. Because when I, when I was playing, we, we, I was doing this, scoring nothing but twos out the paint, mid-range, turnaround, the, the, the iconic layup that only George Gervin could do. All of that, that's how I was scoring. Clay was just shooting threes the entire time. So he had an easier time. That's what George Gervin said. And we... Jumped on, and rightfully so, because regardless of how we did it, that was an incredible performance. Both ways of scoring are in and of itself difficult, and both ways are admirable. Absolutely. There's no need to tear down the player just because he did it in a fashion that you may deem as easier. 
or or not as much credit should be given to that level or that achievement because of the way that you achieved it. I can understand in certain aspects where that can be an argument, but in that aspect, no. Being a marksman in the NBA is hard, incredibly difficult, incredibly difficult, let alone scoring the majority of your points in a dominant 30-point performance, only scoring from three. That is hard. That is difficult. Different ways to get to the same goal doesn't negate which one is, is, is or, or rather doesn't dictate which one is better or worse. Or it, it shouldn't. Each one has its own special place that you should admire. George Gervin, you admired it from how we did it. Absolutely. Clay, you admired it for how we did it. And with Steph, not Steph, excuse me, and with Luca, <laughs> talking about the Warriors, so sorry, so sorry with their up and down season. I'm <laughs> so sorry, I had them on the mind. But talking about Luca and his ability to play and this performance, it's incredible because of the fact, again, that he did it in a way that we don't see it done often in today's game. It's just the truth. Again, this is not nitpicking whether or not it's better or worse than other performances because of, oh, we didn't take threes, or if it was the flip side, or, oh, because he took too many threes. No, 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 I'm not doing that at all. But the, the, the amount of ways that he scored is something to marvel at especially in this day and time in the league, because it's not common to see somebody do that well scoring-wise, and it's not within abundance of threes. It's something that you don't see every day. But for somebody to admittedly have a bad performance shooting three and still be able to get his from every which way on the floor, going 21 for 31, getting to the line 22 times and making 16 of them. On top of having 21 rebounds and 10 assists, which again, in and of itself, is something that we don't see. It's, that's what makes this incredible. And that's what justifiably should give this the credence of this is one of the best performances I've ever seen out of a player. Because that's the truth. That is the truth. This is one of the greatest performances individually that I've seen out of a player. It is, it is, it was immaculate. And he only had three turnovers. The, the, the amount of nitpicking that you can do on this man's performance is so minuscule. Might as well be non-existent. The brother did everything that you needed for this team. On top of having two steals and a block. And I've been saying he's not a great defensive player. He did everything. It, it's there. Is there. Everything that you want out of, of, of a performer is there. Single-handedly drugged this team into overtime and winning inevitably against the New York Knicks. That's greatness. This man is a Hall of Famer in the making. Absolutely. Wherever you have him on the MVP race, it better not be lower than three. And I said he was third. This might have moved him up to second just because of how individually incredible he's been all year long. All year long. It's, it's, it's stupid. That's what it is. It's stupid in the best way possible. It's, it's, it's video game-esque levels of production. We say that about Steph. We've said it about LeBron. We've said it about numerous players who've had an incredible season. But this specific game, you see something like that on 2K, playing on rookie mode. It's, it's absolutely mind-boggling how easily the game comes to this brother at such a young age. Again, he is today's version of Larry Bird. It's 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 absolutely it's utterly insane. It's utterly insane. He's today's version of Larry Bird because of the all-around offensive production, not just scoring the ball, the all-around offensive production that he brings to the table. He ain't no shooter like Larry Bird, but in terms of the IQ that he has, the ability to affect the game, 
the, 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 the poise, the patience, the willingness to take contact and still be able to finish, the ability to use his gravity to, to lead other players to score, all of that, as well as being a great rebounder. A good to great on most nights on this night, phenomenal rebounder. He's, he was everywhere, like Larry Bird. It's rare that we see. See, if I wish I had grown up to see watch Larry Bird play. But since I didn't, this is going to be the closest thing to it. This right here is going to be the closest brother to it. Right now, he's going to be the closest brother that we have to how great of a player Larry Bird was. Larry Bird was better. Don't get it, don't get it twisted. Not only was, was he a better shooter and doing everything that Luka did, absolutely, but also, defensively, he was a monster. A monster on the defensive end. That's not taken away from Luka. That's just saying the reality of the situation. The fact that I'm mentioning Luka as so close to Larry in terms of IQ, feel of the game, poise, gravity, big-time shot-making, timely shot-making, being at the right place at the right time, sacrificing his body, always dishing it in unexpected ways, the creativity, the freedom, the closest thing that we're going to get to Larry Bird. The closest thing. And it's the fact that he is, this is his fifth year in the NBA. The brother is, it's again, having his best season. MVP caliber season in his fifth season. And he can only get better. He already has a Hall of Fame level pulse and feel for the game. Coming from an MVP, as an MVP winner in the EuroLeague. And a championship winner in the EuroLeague. Coming to this league, and then it's even easier, like I said in the last episode, his words, not mine, it's easier to play in this NBA, at least it's easier to score. And he's putting up these this level of, of production. You marvel at it. That's all you can do is marvel. All you can do is marvel. This performance might have just solidified him in my top five players in the NBA. It legitimately might have. The amount, the, the, the sheer perfection. That's all this brother bring to the table. Which was, was, was awe-inspiring. It, 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 it was mesmerizing. It was enchanted. It, whatever other adjective you can think of. We haven't seen this type of stat line since Wilt Chamberlain. In terms of just doing everything. A 60-20-10 triple-double. Again, it's never been done before in NBA history, those specific numbers. But that similar of a stat line, we ain't seen since Will. Since Bill. Since, since, since the early, like, 60s, 50s. That all-around level of dominance. We've seen Kobe score 81. We've seen Devin Booker score 70. We've seen James Harden go on 60-point scoring runs consistently throughout a season like he did when he won MVP and scored 36 points a game. Absolutely. We've seen it in one aspect, somebody be dominant. For, for like, like stat line-wise. We've seen that. But to have somebody also put up 20 boards and be an incredible facilitator, that's rare. Number of people that can do that in the in in NBA history is 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 is, is finite. It's finite because normally when somebody locks in, they lock in on one aspect. If they're hot, they're hot from scoring. If they're hot scoring, guess what? They're gonna keep on scoring, and that's it. That's that was what they did. Again, Devin Booker. What did he do? It was when he had a 70-point performance, he did, Sean didn't pass much. Maybe got, what, four, maybe what, four to six rebounds? But 70 points, not take, that's, I'm not taking away from the performance. But I'm saying it was more so lopsided in terms of the overall production. Still phenomenal performance. 
But normally these types of great performances are one-sided in its nature. James Harden, again, when he when, when the brother was going insane, it was 45 points, 10 assists, and hey, 10 boards too. Or eight boards, whatever. But to get 20 rebounds and 10 assists, as well as scoring 60. See, that's something special in and of itself. That's 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 different. That's different. It's like with Russell Westbrook's 20-20-20 game. 20 points, 20 assists, and 20, re- 20 rebounds. Like, the reason why that was so spectacular is because of the fact that the amount of stuff that was at such a high level was so uncommon for one game. We know he could do that when he was at his best, Russell Westbrook. But to do it all at that high of a level in one game was utterly ridiculous. It was absolutely insane. It was mesmerizing. Nobody had completely taken over a game like he did. Nobody had taken over a game like Luca had, at least in, in 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 this type of fashion. Not many people. Let me rephrase that. Not many people have taken over a game like we just saw Luca took over a game against Dallas. And that's not hyperbole. That's not me trying to bloviate the situation. That's not me trying to exaggerate how great this game was. No, 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 no. This truly was one of those games, when you look back on it, it is one of the greatest individual performances that we've ever seen. Because it was such an all-around level. Such an all-around level. Like, it's, 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 it's legitimately boggles my mind. I didn't think I would see something like that in the modern day. I didn't. I did. I did not. I knew players were capable of it, but I didn't think I would actually see it. The fact that he put it together, utterly ridiculous. That performance was insane. This man's on the fast track to a Hall of Fame. And this brother would be on the fast track to a championship. Keyword is would. See, this is the next topic I want to talk about. As much as this performance is incredible, what the world? Dallas, what in the world? How did you let this get to this point? This man had to score 60 and have one of the greatest individual performances that we've seen in basketball for y'all to win against the New York Knicks, specifically the New York Knicks without Jalen Brunson. Without the multi, the $100 million man that they signed to make to, to be the leader of this team. Without Jalen Brunson, you let the Knicks take you to overtime. Quentin Grimes starting. Who blinds you? The brother only scores nine points a game. You let him score 33 points. You let four people go into double digits in the starting lineup. Three people. Julius, Mitchell Robinson, and Quentin Grimes. Have 20 or more. Do you understand that? Do you like like the fact that Luca had a great performance is phenomenal. But if this is what it takes to win, and this is why y'all are struggling to get above 500, 19 and 60 on the year right now, but y'all are struggling to get above 500 as a for the season and stay afloat. This is horrible. This is terrible. This is exactly why I've been saying Luca will leave. Because there's no there's no good reason that somebody has this level of, of a performance. Such an all-around type of game. And y'all are still going into overtime with the New York Knicks. No disrespect to the New York Knicks. Again, they're 18 and 17. This is a team that has at least found some level of identity after being ridiculously irrelevant for a number of years 
But even still, we know this team is nowhere near there where they need to be on the season. We know that they're still looking for that key piece, that big name to bring everything together. As much as I love Jalen Brunson, he's not that guy. And he wasn't even playing this game. They still got issues. They still got problems. And y'all let them beat you when Luka had a 60-point, 20-rebound, 10-assist game. The, the, the amount of frustration that I would have, even in this win if I'm Luka, would be utterly ridiculous. It would be, I, I would be inconsolable. How stressed out I would be. How mad I would be. How upset I would be at this team. The, the, I, I got to put up this heroic of a performance in order for us to have a shot. Not even for us to win, for us to get into overtime. I had to hit numerous clutch shots as well as get to the free throw line Miss and hit my own game time bucket to send us into overtime. Literally had to facilitate my own basket by essentially passing the ball to myself off a of free throw. Again, the brother was in the right place at the right time every point of the game, but he had to do that and just to get y'all into overtime. Against a team that y'all should beat without their best player on the floor? Hurt because of a hip injury? This should not be. This should not be if you're Dallas. This is it's, it's, it's stupid. This is stupid. Reggie Bullock, one for seven. Tim Hardaway, four for 15. Spencer Den with nine for 15. Okay, 25 points. Christian Wood, 3 or 9 from 3, 7 or 15 from the floor. Three blocks, hey, granted. But y'all couldn't stop a cold. It makes no sense. This is why. This is exactly why. If I'm Luca at the end of my contract, whatever the world, my time runs out in Dallas. If they don't ship up and shape up, I'm leaving. The fact, this is exactly why they're going to struggle to get into the playoffs if you're Dallas. And dark gone it by the time the postseason comes around. Be knocked out again if they make it to the postseason. That's what's going to happen. That's exactly what's going to happen. This is the team that's going to get bounced in the playoffs yet again off the back of Luka Doncic having an historic, potentially MVP season. All because the pieces that are there just aren't working. Again, Spencer Dinwiddie, Tim Hardaway Jr., Christian Wood, Reggie Bullock, Kimball Walker, JaVale McGee. I'll go down the list on paper. Like I said in the last episode, this team looks like it should be poised to be something. Yet consistently, whenever they go and perform, it's never up to the caliber that they need to be. In fact, it's under the caliber that they should be, even for the individual players. Because individually, the players have talent, but collectively, this just is not the team that you need to succeed. It's not. Defensively, again, defensively, you see it. If they can just get some stops, you wouldn't have to worry about going in overtime. You wouldn't have to worry. You wouldn't have to be on the back of Luka Every single night, him having to carry this team. And I get it. He can do it, and he has the ability to do it, and he should be the best player on the team. No doubt about it. But we know we're not stupid. You can't have somebody performing at this caliber and expect, oh, yeah, we can just ride this ship and go to a championship when he's the only person that has to essentially double his workload and that's to have heroic performances every single night when nobody else is performing and producing on both sides of the floor. That's the truth. He can't you can't win with this type type of basketball. A one man, one man running the show is not going to make this 
team succeed. Lucas got to get some help because if he does not, we're going to look at another exit and we're going to look at more questions on, well, what are the Mavericks going to do? What are the Mavericks going to do? And inevitably, it's going to fall into knowing how the NBA world and NBA circle and media goes into play. Well, can Luca actually do it? Can he actually bring his team up? Is he inevitably going, going, going to fall to it? Is this going to be the year that he changes? Is this impact actually what we have been talking about it is all these number of years? Yes, inevitably how it always circles back when it comes to NBA diatribes and debates and talks and speculation. Inevitably, it goes from, well, can a player, when would a player get some help to, well, now it's on the player. Your butt just can't produce. You're putting up empty stats or empty numbers. You don't actually affect the game. That's what the conversation inevitably boils down to. And maybe it's because it's a bunch of casuals that watch the NBA. Absolutely. Maybe that is the case. But the point still stands. That's what gets pushed. Whenever a player doesn't succeed like they're supposed to. After an elongated period of time, it goes from, can the player get some help, to, well, Luca, what's going on, brother? You keep getting here, but you keep getting stagnated. I don't want the conversation to get there. Because the fact that it's not Luca's fault is going to get lost in the, in the shuffle of loud, casual fans or loud, just ignorant fans. You can be hardcore and ignorant at the same time. It ain't uncommon. It ain't uncommon at all. I know a fair too many amount of people. I've talked to a fair too many amount of people that both love the NBA and are stupid when talking about it. Absolutely. Don't let how much somebody is steeped in the league sway you from how knowledgeable they actually are. Nah, you're going to be stupid and ignorant, and you can watch the league since, Jack, since Dr. James Naismith started the NBA. You can absolutely be at that. We see too many podcasts now that do the exact same thing. Hardcore fans that do say a bunch of nothing. Hopefully that's not this channel. Again, I'm not throwing shade. I'm just speaking the truth of what the landscape of NBA media has turned into. At least in my delving through it. I don't want that to be what's on Luca. I don't want it to be changed to where Luca just could never perform. Luca was a great player. He just he, 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 he just he, he was stagnated. He's, he's going to be relegated to this level of greatness instead of the upper level of greatness that he should be vaunted as just because of his lack of success when it isn't even his fault. And if he stays, it's going to be people saying, why don't you just leave? While at the same time, these same people are saying, well, we want loyalty. You see, you can't win. The only thing that can win is success on the basketball floor. That's it. That's the only concrete way to get anybody to say anything closely resembling legitimate facts. In the majority of time, when it comes to the storyline of the NBA and the storyline of players, is winning. Specifically winning a championship in a lot of people's eyes. And right now, Luca's not right now, the way he's constructed, Luca's not gonna get there. It's nowhere near his fault. Luca's not gonna get there. All this greatness is gonna be wasted this season because the Mavericks, no matter how much they say they want to make moves, no matter how much they say that they want to try to make this improve this team and be better, the words mean nothing without production. And without the requisite ability or rather the requisite track record to actively show that what you're saying is true. That's what it's going to take. And right now, while Lucas been there, he hasn't shown, not he, excuse me, not he, Lucas shown what he can do, no doubt about it. The organization has not shown that they can actively surround him with the necessary pieces. Again, you need a number two. 
You don't have a number two if you're the Dallas Mavericks. If you get a number two, we might be talking about uh, having a completely different conversation. Look at what the quality team goes to its finals. I am fully confident in that. Look at what a confident, what a competent team is great, is significantly more likely to go to an NBA Finals. He turned his team into one of the most feared teams in the NBA. That's how much of an effect Luka has on basketball. He, and if he gets a competent team, brother, the West better watch out. But right now, then he ain't there yet. Because his team isn't there yet. Not because of him, because of his team. This man has got to have help. Because he's having too good of a year. And his future is too bright for y'all to stay this stagnant as an organization. And not picking up or or wooing the requisite free agents or making the necessary trades while your players still have trade value to make sure you surround Luca with the requisite players that he needs to succeed. Specifically on the defense, my word. Get some people that can get some stops. Or get you a a a a, a phenomenal offensive squad. Or even better, get a combination of both. Right now, right now, Tim Hardaway, offensively centered. Kristen Wood, offensively centered. Excuse me. Tim Hardaway Jr., offensively centric. Christian Woods, offensively centric. Reggie Bullock, offensively centric. Spencer Dinwiddie, offensively centric. There is no left. JaVale McGee's the only defensive-minded player. He's a good defensive player. But he's the only good, he's the only defensive-minded player. I can see on this team. Dorian Finney-Smith, maybe. He's got the size and strength to be able to actually defend. But again, Outside of that, this isn't a great defensive team. And offensively, this isn't a great offensive team either. Even with the offenses that the, the offensive talent that you have on the floor. When Luke is not there, they, 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 they fall apart. Offensively and defensively. But they always fall apart defensively. Offensively, if Luca isn't there, they fall apart. They do. It's a consistent thing. This team needs help. He, Luca, needs help. It's got to, something's got to change. Because if it doesn't, we're going to look at the brother leaving. Quick and in a hurry. I guarantee you. He ain't going to stay in mediocrity long. He will leave. Absolutely he will leave. No doubt about it, he will leave. At least from from my venture point. He'll he'll leave. He should leave. I don't see greatness this level, at this level, squandered. I don't want to see another Dane. Great season after great season after great season just washed away because he ain't got no help at all. And now we're begging him to leave. Even even praying that he leaves for anybody. For anybody. Just out of Portland. But he won't because he's loyal. This is the one instance where I'm going to say, Luca, don't be loyal. Don't be low. Use your name. Use your player star power and throw your weight around to get this organization to do what it needs to do. Because right now, it's looking like a downward trend. Again, I don't even think this is an organization that wants to follow in the same footsteps as Cleveland, like I said in the last episode. But this is an organization that is slowly but surely following in the same footsteps of the Cleveland Cavaliers with LeBron. They are. Generational talent who has all the makings to make your team legitimately great. He just needs the requisite pieces and a competent lineup that can consistently produce with him on and off the floor. Not allowing a major drop-off when he's off the floor, having some level of an identity when he's off the floor, at least having great effort on the defensive end when he's off the floor, at least able to keep the game closer and not give up leads or let leads grow for the opposing team when he's off the floor. 
and surround him with, with a team that he can truly go to war with and succeed with, that's all you have to do, but y'all ain't doing it. Regardless of how, regardless of whether it's your intention or not, you're not doing it. And it's not their intention. Dallas and Mark Cuban and their general management, I know that they don't want that to happen. I know they've seen the fallout of Cleveland. I know that. They don't want that to happen again, but it's happening again. Whether they like it or not, it's happening again. And Lord knows if it happens again. We see a repeat of LeBron in Dallas. He, he, he gone. He'll be gone. One of the greatest what-ifs in NBA history will be, what if Dallas gave him help? That's what it's going to be if they don't straighten up and fix their mess. So that's what it boils down to. Straighten up and fix and do what you need to do because these heroic type of performances are going to bring your team nowhere. The only thing that these performances are going to do is bolster how great Luka is. But it's going to do nothing. If anything, it's going to shine a red spotlight on the rest of your organization as to what the world are you doing failing a man that brings you this level of production on a night-in, night-out basis. How dumb can you be to not do what you need to do to get the help necessary for this great of a player? For this Heroic of a player. For a player of this caliber, how dare you? The, the rest of the league is going to be insulted by the amount of ineptitude that you show, Dallas, if you don't do right by Luka and get him the help that he needs. I guarantee it. You will be one of the biggest laughing stocks of the modern NBA because we're going to look at you and say, how did you let this slip through your fingers? You have got to be kidding me. You got to mark, like I said in the last video, you got to mark it. You got cachet, you got a championship, you got name recognition, you got an owner that's known, you got a you got a, a, a venue that people want to come and play at. It ain't like y'all Phoenix. It ain't like y'all are a team that nobody that, that were the stadiums trash. Well, granted, they renovated the stadium, but but you get what I'm saying. In the past, the Suns were didn't didn't have a a look of a great thing. But y'all aren't that. Y'all aren't Cleveland. Y'all got every y'all have a lot of things going for y'all. Like I said in the last video, and you still continue to mess up. You still continue to fail to do the basic thing, which is get help around your best player. Absolutely infuriates me. If they don't fix it, this on them. And we're gonna be looking at again, we're gonna be looking at Dallas. At the, end of the, at the end of the year, if no trades are done, if nothing is moved, shaken, or changed in the organization, we're going to look at Dallas and we're going to say, brother, you let this phenomenal season for Luka just fall by the wayside. All because you couldn't do what you need to do, which is trade up for talent. That's it. Right now, you're in a limbo state with the players that you can trade. Your players still got some pull in terms of what you can get for them right now. But oh, as time goes on, that will get lower and lower and lower, especially as the season gets worse and worse and worse. My advice is go on and try to get what you can now. That's me. Is it the best advice? Is it the worst advice? Time will tell, but right now, we all can see that what you have right now isn't working. And what's, something's got to change. It's got to change. It has to change. And I don't believe the free agency market this season is that robust. So it's going to have to be through trades. So something's got to give. Because you're looking at a lineup right now that ain't going to do hide no hair. Rather, you ain't going to see hide no hair of them come playoffs. And then they do make it, you're going to get knocked out. You're going to get knocked out. Most likely, it'll be a middle-of-the-road team in the East, and then boom, out first round. Maybe second round with the heroics of Luka, but I don't see it. 
I don't see this team, man. With the way it's constructed right now, it is bad. Yeah, the, the, the point blank period. It's bad. It's bad. It's not a quality squad. It's not. This team is a this team is built to fail, despite the efforts of Luca. And I hate to see that happen. Dallas, get your stuff together and actually make the moves necessary. Because if not, you're going to be looking at all season absolutely torn apart and washed away. Just washed away. And we hate to see that. But finally, for the last topic of the day, we have to talk about John Moran and the Memphis Grizzlies. Here's the thing with John Moran and the Memphis Grizzlies. He says, what, six days ago, he's not worried about the Western Conference. He said that he ain't worried about nobody else in the West. He he worried about him and the Grizzlies. They're going to take care of business. All that stuff. We love the bravado. I love the bravado. I love the confidence. I love everything about the statement from a star player perspective. You shouldn't care about what anybody else thinks. You just care about, again, one game at a time. That's how it should be. But in this case, this is more, this goes beyond that. This seems like Ja is more worried, or not more worried, excuse me. He's not worried about the rest of the league in terms of, rather the rest of the Western Conference, in terms of he doesn't feel that they're on his team's level. Not just his level as a player, which a lot of players aren't, granted. But his team as a whole, he feels there ain't nobody else on our level in the in the West. Well, sir, I got some bad news for you. Ever since you made that statement, you've lost four of the last five games. And whoever you lost to, Phoenix, Denver, and the Suns. You split a game over the Suns. And the Thunder. For the last five to the Phoenix Suns, Denver Nuggets. Okay, OKC Thunder. I, I, the, oh, by the way, you've also lost to the Pelicans. You've also lost to the Celtics. And you've also lost to... Brooklyn, who right now is on an incredibly terrifying stretch of basketball where they're playing phenomenal. Nobody in the media is talking about them right now, but this team has been playing absolutely out of their mind. Brooklyn. Kyrie's there playing great. KD's there playing great. Ben Simmons playing better and better every single game. And they're winning. They're winning consistently. They're having stretches of wins. Streaks of wins, dare I say. As shocking as it sounds from what this team started out as. So if I'm reading this correctly, and if I my knowledge is correct, y'all have lost to every major contending team in the NBA. Pelicans, Celtics, Brooklyn, right now, yes, they're a contending team, right now, with the way that they're looking. Phoenix, Denver, Thunder, not really, but with Shea Gilgis-Alexander playing at an all-star caliber level and an MVP caliber level. Top five, absolutely. Y'all have lost the the majority of contending teams in the league. You should be worried about the rest, not just the Western Conference, but every other contending team in the NBA. Granted, y'all beat the Bucs, whoopee. Y'all ain't going to beat them again. Y'all can't beat them in a seven-game series if y'all face them. Dare I say if you make it to the finals and the Bucs got to the finals, y'all can't beat them. Y'all, y'all can't beat them. Y'all can't beat this. Y'all, y'all, y'all can't beat them at all. And right now, it's 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 a legitimate concern that you should have because Jaron Jackson has been hurt. Jaron Jackson's come back. Jaron Jackson's played phenomenal. As a defensive anchor, played great. Played great. And you're still losing against these teams. Has played ridiculously well. Again, averaging three blocks a game. One of the best rim protectors in the league. You got Desmond Bay. You got Dylan Brooks. You got a young, athletic core Starting five and squad. You got Steven Adams. You got, oh, see, see, I'm, as I'm reading off the names, everybody sounds like, yeah, y'all got the pieces, but y'all ain't performing like y'all is something. Because let's face it, for the reality of this team, 
This team is not a championship contending team. This is a regular season team. Right now, they're third in the West, right below, oh, the Pelicans and Denver. And this team is great for the regular season. But you should be worried, John Morant, because you all don't have a number two. Just like with Dallas. Y'all don't have a number two. Only difference is Dallas has Luka. Luka is, is leagues, no disrespect to Ja at all, but Luka is leagues better than Ja Morant. Yes, he is. Luka's leagues better than Ja Morant. Luka can take his team to the Western Conference Finals by himself. Ja, you can't do that. You need a number two. Your team needs a number two. Because as it stands right now, you all have been having a, a stretch of basketball where when you face the best, you fail. It, that's the, it's, it's, it's the reality. If y'all face the Celtics again this season, y'all going to lose. You face New Orleans again. If y'all face New Orleans again, y'all going to lose. You face Denver, y'all going to lose. Right now, y'all going to lose just about every contending team in the NBA. Just about. And out in the East, guess what? You definitely ain't beating the Celtics. You definitely ain't beating Milwaukee in a series. You ain't beating the Celtics. You ain't beating Milwaukee. You ain't beating Brooklyn. Right now, you're not beating. Right now, Brooklyn's back. Brooklyn's 22 and 11. Brooklyn's 12 and 5 at home. Brooklyn, their last 10 is, is 9 and 1. Brooklyn is back. Right now, I don't know if y'all can beat them. Cleveland, I don't know if y'all can beat them handily. Philly, maybe, and I say maybe, incredibly hesitant. Actually, no, I'll take that back. No, I don't think y'all can beat Brooklyn. No, I mean, y'all can beat Philly. Y'all, shoot. It is incredibly hard for me to say that y'all are a contending team when I just went through the first the, the top five teams in the Eastern Conference and the two teams are ahead of you in terms of Denver and New Orleans and you and I say y'all I don't think y'all can beat them in a series because much respect does that for Desmond Bank as much respect I have for Stephen Adams, as much respect I have for John Morant, who is also having an MVP caliber season. As much as, as much respect as I have for this team, and as entertaining as this team is, and as high as they are in the West, sure, absolutely, this team is not built to win a championship. And this team is not built to go exceptionally far in the playoffs. Because y'all don't have anybody else outside of John Morant that can carry y'all where you all need to go. You don't. You just don't. Desmond Bain is not that person. And he's missed a good chunk of it. He's only played 15 games this year. Jaron Jackson just came back and played 17 games this year. Granted, again, Jaron Jackson's playing phenomenal. I'm not carping on him at all. He's doing what he needs to do. Everybody else, though, and looking down this roster, the rest of y'all don't got it. Y'all don't got it. You should be worried. As much grit as Memphis epitomizes, grit can only take you so far. At one point in time, you're going to run into a team that's got grit and talent, like the Boston Celtics, like the New Orleans Pelicans, like the Denver Nuggets. And like the first five teams in the East, it's, it's, it's incredibly difficult for me to sit here and say that you shouldn't be worried when I'm looking at y'all right now and y'all have had trouble against every single legitimate contender. And mind you, you lost to Brooklyn, whatever the circumstances were when that game was happening earlier in the season. This was when Brooklyn was having an incredibly horrible time. And now they're back to where they need to be. 
seemingly resurrected from the dead. Hard for me to say that y'all got a shot at beating. It's, it's it, There's not a team that I can see and say confidently, oh, yeah, y'all got it. Or, yeah, oh, it's going to be close. Or, excuse me, at most I can say it's going to be close. In fact, the best I can say about the Memphis Grizzlies this season, when they get to the postseason, when they face against top contending teams, they'll make it competitive. That's the best I can say. That's all I can say. And that's no disrespect to Clark Jones, no disrespect to Stephen Adams. None at all. No disrespect at all. But this is a team that runs one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine-man rotation. I'm stupid. Yeah, yeah. A 12-man rotation, primarily it's a nine-man rotation. And that those nine men, I don't see them having success against the top elite of the league, which is who you're going to have to go through. Unless you all can get a definitive number two to play alongside John Moran, whether it's another Big, a, a legitimate star guard. I'm not talking about. Desmond Bain is, is great. Don't get it twisted. I'm not disrespecting him. Absolutely not. Marksman from three. Deceptively strong. Works well with Ja. Absolutely. But unless you get a dominant number two to play alongside you, this team doesn't have a shot at getting at getting to the finals. They don't. You should be you should be worried. And especially with the way the, the Western Conference is this year. And how volatile it is this year. These stretch of games. Weren't they at one point in time close to or first in the division? And, and now they're bumped down to third. And again. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Please, please correct me. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I believe, I believe at one point in time, Memphis was either at the top or like at second. Somewhere around that range. Even still, if I'm wrong and they moved up from lower in the standings to second place in the Western Conference, that doesn't change my mind. That doesn't change my mind at all. This team is still not built to succeed. This team still should be scared. This team still doesn't have what it takes talent-wise to be equipped to actively take on elite contenders. And right now, it looks like they're falling apart when it comes to playing against the best of the best while everybody else is catching stride. Further showing that this team is not built not only is this team not built to be able to, to make a run to the finals like they feel they can, but right now the, 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 the run that they were initially having may be starting to wear off. It might be. And this is a team that has all its pieces back. So, yeah, I am skeptical right now. Yeah, right now these last five games have shown this team has some holes, major holes. One of the biggest ones is you don't have a number two. If Ja ain't playing great or if Ja, even if Ja's playing great, y'all will still potentially lose because you don't have the depth or talent to be able to run with the big dogs. You don't have, you don't have the requisite bodies necessary to make it so that you can compete on a high level and succeed against the teams that are act legitimately equipped to play at a high level. You're not there. Now, that can be potentially alleviated if they make a trade for a legitimate number two this season. Potentially. But this team right now, don't be barking now. Don't be talking now. Because now, y'all are, ever since you made that statement that you ain't worried, you've gotten whooped. You got whooped. You got whooped from pillar to post. You got whooped for the past, for the four of the of the past five games. You've gotten beat. Taken to the woodshed. Put out back. 
You've been sat down in the corner ever since you 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 y'all started talking, or specifically ever since Josh started talking. So you better pipe down and look inward and get your stuff together. Because right now, Memphis, you ain't looking like a team that's ready to contend. You're looking like a team that's a facade. You're looking like a team that is that is a facade of a contender. You look like a team that is legitimately built for the regular season, but nothing more. It is not. Because once the playoff comes around, guess what? I don't see him beating New Orleans. I don't see him beating Denver. I don't see him beating the Clippers if they get matched up with them. Shoot, Sacramento might give them a run for their money. And who knows if the Warriors get back on track with their lineup. I don't see them beating the Warriors at their best. Right now, I ain't seen it in a long time, their best. But... We know this team can play at their best because they just won a championship with nearly the same lineup except for a couple pieces. So, we, so again, it's hard for me to say that I'm confident that you shouldn't be worried, John Morant, that you ain't worried about the Western Conference. And right now, you've again, you've been dropping against every conference that y'all been playing against, West or otherwise. It is, it is, it's concerning. It's, it's, it, it is concerning. Y'all got to get your stuff together because if not, you're going to be looking at a team that's going to be all that talk, all that yep, yep that they were doing, fall on deaf ears or deaf ears because now we don't want to listen to it anymore because now we see the reality of the situation. And the reality of this team right now is that when it comes to, once you hit that threshold of, again, a Celtics, a Pelicans, a Denver, later down the line, a Milwaukee, potentially a Brooklyn, if they keep on playing the way they've been playing, and that elite, elite, y'all are hitting the glass ceiling. Y'all, you reached your zenith. You're at the pinnacle of where you can be. Nothing more. Because you don't got the requisite bodies. Because you don't, mainly, even despite all of that, even even in spite of all that, y'all have great chemistry, which is phenomenal. But chemistry can only take you but so far. At some point in time, you've got to have a number two to, to help carry the load and you don't have that Jaron Jackson's not it Steven Adams isn't it Desmond Bain is not it as good as he's been playing he's not it you even got Kenny Lofton Jr. I believe he's in the G League right now you can't even use one of the best prospects right now Right now, y'all just, you should be worried. You should be afraid. You should be fearful. Because you're not built like you think you're built. You're talking big, but you're about to get set down. And it looks like you've already been set down over these last five games. Again, nothing's in stone. Nothing's concrete. But right now, if this keeps on going, you keep on losing when the pressure gets hot because you're playing against legitimate talent. You're playing against contending teams because you're playing against actual championship caliber players with chemistry. You're going you're gonna to find out your place real quick. Keep having that confidence for yourself, absolutely. And I get it. Don't want to be back on bad on a team. Sure, totally understandable. Doesn't change the fact that y'all are still not where you need to be to be able to back up that level of talk. Come when crunch time comes around. And right now, it's already seemed like that you're standing on shaky ground. Because what you're saying and what you're showing, they ain't adding up. We're gonna see what happens as the season goes on, but. 
This has been another episode of Lunch Report. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. Again, remember, we're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major podcasting platform. So you can listen to this episode again, and again, and again, and again. Not many times you want to do it. <laughs> Just again, have surround sound. But again, thank you so much for listening. Please, again, leave a like on the video, comment with us on the page. Subscribe to the channel, share the channel with everybody that you know. I've been John Luke You've been beautiful. Or, excuse me, you've been beautiful. This has been the World Report, and I'll catch you all in the next episode. Peace and love. We out of here.